This is a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. Go to allthews.3cr.org.au. Welcome to this week's edition of the Yarra Bicycle Users Group Radio Show on Community Radio 3CR. We acknowledge the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, traditional owners of the land from which we transmit people-powered radio. My name's Chris and Yarra Bicycle Users Group Radio. We're a show about cycling, sustainable transport and related matters coming to you from the studios of 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. Today on Yarra Bicycle Users Group Radio, I'm speaking to Nikki from Radio Adelaide about her series, Step Away from the Car 2.0. And we'll start off, Nikki, about your local involvement with advocacy in South Australia. Thanks, Chris. I guess I should say that I'm Nikki Page because it's Mm. very confusing because the program manager at Radio Adelaide these days is called Nikki Marcel and there's lots of confusion about that. What really kicked me off with cycling advocacy, although I had loved cycling and done a lot of it. It was, I reckon, 1991, the first Gulf War. And I don't know if you were around, but it was very hot weather and it was, the whole damn thing was being televised, really. So you're sitting inside and my partner and I would, you know, watch this ghastly footage of the Scud missiles and and just thinking, you know, you could save your plastic bags and... (laughs) you know, recycle your aluminium cans for 20 lifetimes, a 1,000 lifetimes, and you still wouldn't catch up on the environmental chaos that was being wreaked there in front of our eyes. And it just fired me up to get together a few friends and then living, which was Unley. And I had a good friend who was right into cycling advocacy, and he told me about Bugs, bicycle user groups, which were really only just getting started then. I think there were probably getting started in Melbourne, as far as I know, but there was nothing in Adelaide at that time. So we got together, a few of us, and started meeting and thinking about what we would do as a Goodwood bug. Fairly quickly became obvious that we should make it the whole council, whole local council area, and so we called it Unley Bug, which is still going, I'm happy to say, although I'm not there. And one of the first things we did was we got a couple of, people from the local council to get on their bikes and come riding with us along the tracks that we thought could be fixed up. And, of course, you won't be surprised to hear that they were along the local train line and tram line and so on. Honestly, I'm really happy to say this, but it was also shocked to say it, that it was probably 20 years before those plans were implemented, but now they're part of huge network, big, long off-road or mostly off-road bike paths along the, that train line that we were talking about. There's an underpass built under the way that needed to be built. And it's funny because at the time we got the council on side, 
but at first there was a, the mayor was he just he'd give us a run around mm. frankly you know it appear friendly but did nothing but then we got one particular councillor an old unionist got on the council and just made things happen he made grant applications happen he got it that the bug was meeting at the council and with him and with the local on the count as a councillor and and the council staff, the relevant council staff. And what they said at the time was they got money, so we got a local area bike plan consulting with the cyclists. And it was said at the time, look, we'll get this plan done. It might sit on the shelf for 10 years, but it will be done. I'm not quite sure about the whole process of how that then did evolve, but it, I think it got the, that council got plugged into other levels, state government levels and the Bicycle Institute of South Australia, which has been a bike advocacy organisation here for a very long time. Local bits that we wanted to happen were integrated into these much longer routes. There's a long route along the train line down to the southern suburbs and there's a long route down along the tram line down to the coast. And they get, you know, a thousand cyclists a day, which mightn't sound much by Melbourne standards, but it's very good by Adelaide standards makes a big difference to cyclists. That's probably the most, that's sort of my glorious story of cycling advocacy. I'm really happy to tell that one. I'm now living in a council area which is further out, much, much bigger, and cycling advocacy is much harder. That's a lesson that I am learning. It's one thing to be in a relatively small inner suburb, city suburb really, and another one to be in an area where there are, oh, I couldn't tell you the area of Onkapringa Council, but it is very, very big. So you've got so many competing demands on the council. Kind of sympathetic, but actually we're still at the stage, I think, really of trying to get them moving on mm. it. And uh, and there are some bike paths down where I'm living now, and I think they're pretty crappy bike paths. You know, it's just a glorified footpath, and the people can throw their bottles from the cars and break the glass, and the sun beats down. So opportunities haven't been taken that could have been taken to really promote cycling, you know, really get people on their yeah. bikes. There's a plan for a long coastal route all the way from the city right down to the southern beaches. It's still got big gaps in it. So, okay. so okay. there's much more work to be done down south here. Yeah. So, look, on a positive note, we'll go into amazing examples, which is from Step Away the Car 2.0. Trapped in your car? In this series, we explore different ways to step away from the car. Churchill fellow Joe Crookshank spent 2017 exploring overseas cities to see how they cater for cyclists so that cycling is both safe and enticing. My name is Joe Crookshank. I'm from the Northern Territory and I'm here at the conference talking about my Churchill Fellowship findings. Earlier this year, I was very fortunate to receive a Churchill Fellowship to investigate cycling and walking in um, Europe and the UK. I focused on some of the world's best cycling cities, the Netherlands and Denmark. But I also went to some places which are just starting their journey and becoming cycling cities and some smaller regional centres such as Bordeaux in France. I met with who had ever met with me, so politicians and journalists and public servants and local government. 
Also, everywhere I went, I borrowed a bike or I hired a bike and toured. I got a picture of what made these cities different. Why were they different from Australian cities? Why did they have such high levels of cycling? Or why were they focusing on cycling? In a lot of places, they found that the most livable cities were those cities which um, prioritised cycling and walking. One of my inspirations for the project is an index called the Copenhagenized Index, and they use criteria such as good infrastructure, the levels of cycling, the levels of end-of-trip facilities, the programs that are there to support cycling. We're certainly looking at cycling not just as a leisure activity. Very much so. Um, My focus was really on cycling for transport, cycling for short trips, so trips to work or trips to the shops or trips to the supermarket, and where trips are maybe a little bit longer. I'm looking at cycling to public transport and combining cycling public transport for a transport trip. I started in Manchester in um, the north of the UK. It's a big industrial city. One of the things that Manchester has done is really get the governance right for cycling. It's set up a metropolitan governance, so that's a lot of local government areas that are brought together under one regional council. The mayor there has really prioritised cycling by appointing a cycling commissioner very high-profile person, Chris Boardman. He has really shown some very strong leadership, and so the momentum has really gathered there. Some of the projects that Manchester's put in place is a major road through the centre of the university district, Oxford Road. Used to be all types of traffic used the road, but now it's just buses, taxis, cycling and walking, and it's been enormously successful. High levels of cycling, high levels of walking, and a great feeling of livability along that corridor. Other cities that I visited, Bordeaux in in France, it's a really interesting case study of what happens where restricting vehicle access into the city centre. So they have a mode share of around about 15% cycling for all trips in the city, which is really quite high. It's got a beautiful medieval city centre and restricting traffic in that city centre. It has a a thriving centre, there's people cycling, there's people walking. It's busy, has a lovely feel to it, but amazingly, it's very quiet. There's some slightly different centres. The Netherlands, a lot of cities and towns across the Netherlands, very high levels of cycling, great integration with public transport. Looking at Denmark, Copenhagen, very high levels of cycling for trips, local trips. In Denmark in particular, there's not a lot of amazing infrastructure. It's about space, providing space on the road for everyone. So there's vehicles and there's pedestrians and there's space for cyclists. One of the things that I am picking out from this walking and cycling conference is the fact that cities that have tried this haven't really looked back. Definitely that's something that's happening. A good example in Bordeaux, a major bridge into the city centre. In about 2017 there was a proposal for a trial to restrict all vehicles on the bridge into the city centre. I need to have trams, buses, cycling and walking. And at the time, there was a lot of controversy. People thought that this just wouldn't work. But again, with strong leadership from the mayor, at the time, the project went ahead as a trial. And the results have been phenomenal. The number of people using public transport has increased. The number of people cycling and walking has increased. And interestingly, a large percentage of the people now cycling and walking used to drive. Nobody wants to go back to the road having vehicles on it and the businesses are thriving. Australia is in quite a different position. What things did you pick up that would help us do this transition? We are obviously at the the beginning of a, a long journey. 
There's not one action. It's like a recipe of actions that we need to put in place to, to get a change. Infrastructure is really important. Having separated infrastructure for cyclists so people feel safe or they, they perceive they are safe. Really strong leadership is essential. Also important is some behaviour change programmes. Advocacy, so having the community to show the, the demand for change was really important. Where advocacy, government and community work together, that's also doing because a lot of travel is a habit. So if you drive to work, you, your habit is to drive to work, you do it every day. So it's about people trying to change what they're doing and just try something. And there might be a program such as it might focus on a workplace there might be some incentives or there might be a challenge between workplaces to try things differently. You might focus on a school, look at how people are traveling to school and encourage the school children to have a ride to school day. Or there might be incentives for bringing your wheels, whether it's a scooter or a bike or walking. So it's like setting up a program which has got ongoing engagement broadly across the community, providing bike education skills, something to, to initiate that, that stepping out of your car and trying something a bit different. Trying something a bit different mm. is quite important, isn't it? That's the big challenge. And once, once you do change your habit and your habit becomes to cycle or to catch public transport or try something a bit different, it actually feels odd to go back to driving. Did you look at what's going on in Australia? When I'm not studying and with the Church Fellowship, my position is working with the Northern Territory Government and I work in the Department of Infrastructure Plan and Logistics. So I'm aware of what's happening certainly in the Northern Territory, but then I'm in touch with my colleagues elsewhere. So certainly know where things are happening in Australia. Where do you think would be a good place to start with what's happening here? Infrastructure is something that we can, we can work on. Infrastructure does cost money and so it's probably something that will take a little bit longer. Talking about behaviour change, there's some small things that we can do, make some changes. Educating drivers about being more aware about of cyclists. So in the UK there's a program where driving instructors who are teaching learner drivers how to drive, taking the driving instructors on a bike education course and raising awareness with them about what it's like to be on a bike and, and feel with vehicles around you so that then the driving instructors can pass that on to the learner drivers that they're teaching. So what's the most exciting thing that you saw on this trip? Yeah, so many exciting things. You know, in the Netherlands, you see in the, the city of Utrecht, bike parking at the station there for 22,000 bicycles. But um, on my last day in the Netherlands, I set myself a little um, quest, which was to find the Hovenring. It's in a town or a city called Eindhoven. So I ended up cycling to the station, then catching three trains to get to Eindhoven and then pedalled to the Hovenring. And it's basically a floating bike roundabout and it sits above a very busy intersection, road intersection. The Hovenring literally floats above the intersection. It's suspended from a central sort of column and it's the connection of four major bike paths. It was snowing at the time and there was continuous flow of cyclists moving onto the roundabout, round the roundabout and off again. It really is it's quite a sight to be seen. Joe Crookshank is a Churchill Fellow and Senior Policy Officer with the Northern Territory Department of Infrastructure, Planning and Logistics. You've been listening to Step Away from the Car, recorded at the 2019 Australian Walking and Cycling Conference by Suzanne Rees and Nikki Page and produced at Radio Adelaide.
distributed across Australia via the Community Radio Network. listening to Yarrabaska User Group Radio and Community Radio 3CR. I'm speaking to Nikki Page, who was involved with Radio Adelaide. As in the last show we just did, we spoke a bit about the fundraising campaign to keep Radio Adelaide on air. Nikki, you just want to do a recap on what people can do? Yes, well, Radio Adelaide is in dire financial straits, but we have been running a very successful campaign to raise money on campaign which has been a great way of finding out the level of support. And, of course, Radio Adelaide's been on air for 47 years. The community of people who've been involved or who've listened or who've worked with us is, is huge and right around the country, of course. Closure, shut, closing the doors is uh, possibly a risk, but hopefully we get that $50,000, which I'm sure we can do. That won't happen and we'll have the money to kick us on into our new era, which is a new era of having to be lean and mean but still having an extraordinary, diverse community of broadcasters and listeners and serving the community of people in Adelaide and beyond, of course, like all of our stations that can be heard anywhere on the internet now. It's a simple thing. Go to Radio Adelaide's website. There you'll find the Save Radio Adelaide campaign and you can chip in and... uh, help us be here for another 47 years with independent media. So, so important. You're listening to 3CR Community Radio, 855am. Visit the 3CR website at 3cr.org.au forward slash podcast to hear the most recent recording from each show or 3cr.org.au forward slash streaming to listen live. Trapped in your car? In this series, we explore different ways to step away from the car. Running a successful business in the bike economy is about momentum, much like riding a bike, funnily enough. So says Daniels Langerberg, who used to be a bike courier and now owns an electric tricycle taxi fleet bearing the company name EcoCaddy. It's an idea that began when he was in China. I was working for a company over there that built bamboo-bodied electric tricycles. They're a hybrid. They they need human power as well as a little bit of electric assistance to, to move two people. I saw this fantastic product that no one really knew about, and I thought maybe this thing could transform my hometown and make it better. But... I didn't see the opportunity as selling the vehicle. I actually saw it um, as a service-based business. So we started as a taxi service back in 2015. We're doing some pretty uh, cutting-edge stuff. Um, you know, we're building an app that was similar to what we now know as um, Uber using. We had a lot of fun doing that. It was also very difficult. We only had seven vehicles back then. Now we've got 22. 
So we had to be creative. We started to do tours of what we call eco-experiences, which show visitors and locals parts of the city that not even South Australians know about. That's really leveraging our riders. They're really local experts. What we've done over the last five years of service is we've gotten to know every nook and cranny of this town. And we notice the things as they change, new bars, new cafes, new offerings in the city. Yes, yeah, so we've created a service out of that. And we're also um, now doing deliveries as well. So um, deliveries has been really fun. Um, it's also been uh, quite a difficult market, but we see a uh, huge growth potential in there in that we really are trying to combat the white van um, having a presence in the CBD. Like Europe, um, which is now shutting down its town centres and only allowing electrified vehicles inside to the centre of the city, um, we see our form of transport as being uh, very efficient because we're zero emissions, but we can pull up straight to the door. So we've been doing some fun stuff around that as well. Daniels, do you remember the era of bike couriers? Maybe you were a bike courier, I don't know. I did, I did a little bit of that when I was over in China um, and a little bit of racing around the bike courier sort of, um, yeah, work role, which is called an alley cat which, yeah, again, got me into the bike economy. Bike couriers are extremely efficient. Um, there's a few of them getting around here. We know them all. Um, no, now they're doing food. They used to take messages before email and faxes and Dropbox took over. Yeah, there's a different form of courier that's um, peddling around food, uh, you know, for the likes of Uber and Deliveroo. You see these guys getting around on their, you know, their massive black packs and um, uh, all their massive turquoise packs and, you know, waiting around at restaurants. So it's hard not to notice that there is, there is a change, yeah. Tell you a little bit more about those eco experiences. We talk these days about giving people experiences rather than stuff for, mm -hmm. for presents. I'm thinking that could be quite a nice present to give somebody an eco experience. Do you tailor them for the, you know, like if I'm a somebody that wants to eat out or somebody that wants to go clubbing would you customize it for yeah, me yeah yeah we've actually um we've listened to our customers over the years they've told us sort of what they want to see there's you know sort of your um textbook uh city uh, attractions um and then we've got a scenic green tour which is very beautiful in that we one of the only operators that can get around the parklands and uh, if you haven't done it already and you're a south australian resident i highly recommend getting on your bike and riding around the parklands because they are spectacular and the Adelaide City Council has done a lot to actually um, improve the parklands. So there's some great equipment and some great, uh, you know, parks in there for children as well. We have a coffee experience, so that's partnering with some great cafes around the city and Adelaide's obviously got a lot of those. And the whole idea around these, what we call our exclusive packages, we have a, a city and wine experience as well where we team up with National Wine Centre and East End Cellars, is about creating this sort of continuous experience of how to interact with the city um, and really trying to showcase the very best that Adelaide has to offer. And a lot of visitors that come here, they sort of blow through it and don't see a lot because it's really, some of it's quite hidden and you really need a local um, to, to show you. So we've uh, leveraged the fact that we can move people very easily across the city and with our local uh, employees, put those two things together to create these um, memorable eco experiences. With the side benefit that people who aren't used to cycling get to discover or remember what a beautiful thing it is to whip around silently Absolutely. in all the places that the cars can't get to. Yeah, it's a sensory experience for sure, yeah.
Tell me about Eco Caddy and electric scooters yeah. on the footpath. So electric scooters uh, hit Adelaide um, around Fringe this year. Two new operators that have come in. Um, one of those which uh, Eco Caddy is contracted to do some work. So it's the only Australian e-scooter company, uh, and it's heavily based here in Adelaide. Eco Caddy actually picks up these scooters, basically getting scooters out of areas where uh, they're not going to be used and bringing them back to areas where they're needed. So we've actually created a articulated trailer getting around the city nine hours a day, seven it's days like a week. It's like a bicycle semi-trailer. Yeah, bike semi. So it can tow 500 kilos. Um, obviously, we have electric assistance, so we can tow up to 20 scooters. Um, Rider quite innovative in that they're one of the first companies in the world to actually have uh, battery swap technology. So rather than us having to pull these scooters off the road, taking them somewhere and charging them, we can actually just take uh, 30% of that mass uh, and, you know, sort of replenish it. So it means that uh, less weight means less fuel, means less energy, which means less impact to the environment. So it's always about trying to reduce and be lean across everything that we do. We're going to have more of these on the road. Uh, e-scooters have been really popular, particularly people that are in the city to do business. We really want to get them to their meetings as fast as possible, but then also have the enjoyment of riding across the city like you would a bike. But not everyone wants to get sweaty and get a crinkled suit or skirt, so scooters are a really good um, sort of substitute for that. The world is full of people who think of a wonderful idea, but they just can't quite make it work or keep it going but mm -hmm. here you go nearly five years down the track yes yeah. you're still doing it yeah what's, what's your secret it's, it's been a journey one that's been uh, definitely challenging but so fulfilling i think a lot of people that i've spoken with that have tried to launch ideas and for whatever reason haven't been successful is um this hunt for perfection and really uh being somewhat apprehensive and a little bit shy to actually sharing their idea because then someone might steal it my advice would be, yeah, doing it bit by bit, literally getting your ideas out of your head, putting it on a piece of paper and showing people uh, that you trust for some feedback. You know, the pearl and the oyster sort of effect. You need a grain of sand to build the idea around. So if you don't start with something, then it's very hard to get going. And then what I've found over the years is that momentum is the key. Similar to bike riding in that, um, you know, you sort of want to keep moving. When you stop and you have to get going, that's where all your energy is spent. So keeping the momentum up is really crucial. Resilience is the thing that we've really tried to build into our business model and that's been um, why we've explored these other avenues. Yeah. And you're exploring Melbourne now. Yeah, that's, uh, that's really, really exciting. Different it's, market. It's a very different market, but then it's also the same in a lot of instances in that... Um, flat. It's flat. <laughs> yeah, it's relatively flat in the areas that we've been operating. So down um, at Chapel Street and uh, we were also in the Royal Melbourne show last year, which was really exciting. I think they had 1.5 million visitors um, and we took somewhere in the order of 4,000 people. So there's a lot more people. It's growing at an alarming rate. The Melbourne City Council and other councils are looking for innovative ideas to actually reduce car congestion. It's getting worse and worse. So that urgency is great for business. We see Melbourne as a great growth market in which to extend our service into. Really, it's like the whole planetary situation, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Like there's a lot of terrible news around, yeah. but if we do the right thing, the right thing is going to be good for everybody. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, there's always opportunities that come out of good and bad. Um, it's really how we choose to react. 
Where I'm hopeful is that entrepreneurs, new businesses, existing businesses and obviously governments will look at current way of doing things and go, where can we innovate towards being more sustainable? You know, EcoCaddy was designed from the ground up, but these sorts of principles um, and these models can be retrofitted very easily and they, they, they sort of need to be. Daniels Langerberg, CEO of EcoCaddy. You've been listening to Step Away from the Car, recorded at the 2019 Australian Walking and Cycling Conference by Nikki Page and Suzanne Rees, and produced at Radio Adelaide. Distributed across Australia via the Community Radio Network. This week's Yarra Bicycle User Group radio program should be podcast soon on 3cr.org.au forward slash podcast or go to yarrabug.org forward slash radio if you want to find additional details of what we discussed today. These podcasts are produced at Melbourne's activist radio station 3CR. Presenters are all volunteers and 3CR's existence depends upon the financial support of our listeners. Go to 3cr.org.au Click on the support tab and select either donate, subscribe, shop or fundraisers. Your subscription or donation keeps 3CR on air. Sunny skies over along the 3CR would like to thank our Yarrabug program sponsor, Vacro Second Chance Cycles, for their financial support. Second Chance Cycles is a fantastic community workshop that recycles bikes, trains people in bike mechanics, and sells bikes to the local community. To find out more, Google Vacro or drop into the underground car park. Harmsworth Street, Collingwood, any Thursday or Friday. Yeah, get on that bicycle and ride Neath the sunny skies or along the ocean side You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.